O Lord, open our ears that we may hear, our eyes that we might see, our hearts that we might believe, our lips that we might declare your praise. May the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and redeemer. Amen. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. The parable of the Good Samaritan. It's one we've heard all our lives. It's one of the first stories we learn in Sunday school. We already know the moral of the story. We are to be compassionate, show kindness, and to help those in need. Here endeth the lesson. Or so we'd like. What more, then, can we possibly learn about this story? What more, then, can we possibly glean from this overused parable? May God forgive us for our despisal of his holy word, thinking that the well has run dry, when in fact this is the pure font of Israel from which ever flows streams of living water. What is your definition of compassion? Does it bring to mind other positive words? Love, mercy, kindness, empathy, and so on? A good definition that I found was that compassion is a strong feeling of sympathy towards another stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. The very feeling of compassion should drive us to act compassionately. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. In our gospel lesson today, it is the Samaritan that exhibits this trait, this action. Let's take a moment to consider the fact that it is a Samaritan that acts compassionately. In the time of Christ, Samaritans were reviled, despised, abhorred. Samaritans, the result of the poorest of the poor, being left behind after a serious conquest of the northern kingdom and intermarrying with foreigners. They were considered heretics and half-breeds. A good Israelite wouldn't dare be found in the company of a Samaritan if he could help it. Conversely, there was no love lost between Samaritans and Jews. The Samaritans believed that the Jews worshipped on the wrong mountain and that the Jews believed in things which the books of Moses spoke nothing about. All in all, it was a pretty equal hate-hate relationship. And so, here we have it. A Samaritan helping a Jew. This man on the road, beaten, stripped, robbed, and left for dead. This man is now at the mercy of the one whom he was taught to despise. And likely did despise. Already he has been ignored by a priest and a Levite. 
his fellow countrymen and heirs of the covenant. Indeed, listen, Jesus says they passed him by on the other side. They went out of their way to avoid his stench of uncleanliness. You see, for the priest to touch a dead body would render him ritually unclean, unfit for service in the temple. And the Levite, as the priest's assistant, certainly wouldn't want to violate the law either, lest he spread the impurity of a corpse to himself and others. Whether out of concern for sanctity or otherwise, the priest and the Levite did not reach out to help the wounded and dying stranger, though they were all sons of Jacob. Their need to be pure, to utterly keep the letter of the law, stayed their hands from acting in mercy and kindness. Beloved, the law of God alone itself cannot save, for by the works of the law no one is made pure in the sight of the Lord. Psalm 5 teaches us, evil may not dwell with you. And Psalm 68 As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. So then, who are you? Who am I? Are we, the priest, concerned with keeping ourselves pure enough to offer sacrifice before God? Are we the Levite? Concerned with utterly maintaining the law so as not to screw it up for everyone else? True enough, we can be both these two, ignoring the cries of the poor and the needy for our own benefit, whether supposedly religious or otherwise. But no, no, today I tell you, you are the man who has been robbed, beaten, stripped, and left for dead. The hymn tells us, In Adam's fall, all mankind fell. It is not enough that we are born into a world that no longer manifests God's good and holy intentions. It is not enough that we are born infected by sin. No, Satan, his demons, and our own sinful nature are all guilty of gluttony and wrath, for they will stop at nothing until they have destroyed and devoured everything that in the beginning the Lord called good. Most of all, you. Our wicked foes have mortally wounded us with sin, have stripped and robbed us of the dignity of God's image, and have left us as corpses to be plucked apart by scavengers. Truly, we are born dead in our trespasses. And so then, here we are. You, a dying corpse on the side of the road, and a Samaritan come to save you, the one whom it is in your very blood to hate and despise. What benefit does this Samaritan, hated and reviled, help for having the wounded man, have for helping you? Our text tells us, he had compassion. Compassion, that feeling of one's heart going out to another and moving to give them aid and assistance. This Samaritan has no apparent benefit or reward. He acts to relieve this suffering out of the goodness of his own 
heart. If this man could have done or said anything to pick himself up, he certainly would have tried. Because no one wants to be helped by their worst enemy. If we could save ourselves, we certainly would try. Because by nature, we do not want God's grace. But whatever else this wounded corpse of a man might have done, it matters not. Jesus, the true good Samaritan, nevertheless acts and shows mercy to your poor soul. He went up to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. The law alone cannot save. It only sets up boundaries between people and between God and man. Our epistle today told you as much. But the scriptures imprisoned everything under sin. But our good Samaritan has no such misgivings about your purity and uncleanliness. Christ, our good Samaritan, acts to lift up your wounded and decaying heart. The parable mentions the binding up of wounds. Make no mistake, friends. Satan does not seek to count his losses. He is high stakes, all in plain to win as much as he can. The devil is not content to exercise dominion over fallen angels. No. He seeks your death and damnation and will stop at nothing and will use whatever means at his disposal until he has killed you in both body and soul. What wounds, what trauma have you endured in your life? Abuse by someone you thought your friend. Betrayal and abandonment by a spouse or family member. The death or suicide of loved ones. Chronic illness. Financial hardship, pandemic and plague. Beloved, the list of wounds we receive in this life stretches as far as your imagination will go. And no matter how far down the sands of time we travel, there are wounds in this lifetime that we can never heal. No matter what treatment made by man we use, we are left with scars on our bodies, in our hearts. Oh, my people, God has heard the cries of your suffering. The Almighty has heard your gasps of pain and wheezing for breath. Jesus Christ, the good Samaritan, despised and rejected by men, has come to your aid and assistance. He will not avoid you in your sin, in your death. The Word who made heaven and earth has become the Word made flesh that He might bear your griefs and carry your sorrows. He hides the wounds of your sin in His wounds, in His pierced hands, His feet, His side. 
He anoints your head with oil that your sins of thought, of word, and of deed might be healed by the unction of his grace. He has poured out for you as wine his precious blood that your heart might be glad in the cup of his salvation. Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. But our Savior is not content to leave you bandaged and on the highway looking to hitch a ride. No, far from it. The parable itself tells us. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus does not administer you first aid and then let you be only to be jumped again by the hosts of hell in this evil world. No, Jesus gives you new life in his death and resurrection, and he carries you himself into a place of rest. He puts you up in the inn called church and has paid for your stay here. He has purchased your redemption, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent, bitter suffering and death. And his word of repayment is as good as gold. For Christ has already shown himself able to pay out what is owed when he offered his life on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And because he said he would rise, and he did, his promises are vindicated and true. Having received then so great a salvation by so surprising a Savior, what then are we to do? The lawyer's answer to Jesus was technically correct. Love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. But where he was wrong is that he sought to justify himself and to limit his love. Brothers and sisters, we confess, as does the epistle of 1 John, in this is love Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God the Father has redeemed the entire world in his son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for you, for me, and for the sins of the whole world. If then our Lord has wrought such a marvelous salvation, if then, as our gradual proclaims, you are the God who works wonders, you have made known your might among the peoples, then everyone is your neighbor, even and especially those who you don't like. Therefore, Hear the words of Jesus, encouraging you to compassion, trusting alone 
in His compassion. You go and do likewise. Beloved, we have heard the word of God. We have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and of His great compassion for us. And now soon we shall ascend unto the altar of our God and receive from it here in the in-called church the medicine of immortality, the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, which will strengthen you in both body and soul until that glorious last day when our good Samaritan returns for us to take us at last to that eternal dwelling place where no longer will sin or Satan wound you. Hear then what words of grace Our Lord Jesus speaks to you who hear his gospel and receive his sacrament. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. He who sings praise twice. Therefore, friends, let us pray a third time, knowing that our good Samaritan, Jesus Christ, has saved us and is coming again for us, his beloved, so very soon. In suffering be thy love my peace, In weakness be thy love my power. And when the storms of life shall cease, O Jesus, in that final hour, be thou my rod and staff to guide and draw me safely to thy side. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.